The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back, Athleter Podcast. Here's the deal, man. Coach Doris, I am so impressed. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe Maybe it's because you guys are all the way out there and slow or it's hard to get to and it's insulated by mountains and water and but i just and i knew over the last couple of years that you guys have been building but i didn't know the extent at which you were building and I, it's my ignorance and i apologize for it but i don't think i'm alone do you think i'm alone in, in my ignorance there i think we've been relatively quiet for the most part um, by design, for sure. You know, our our style has never been, you know, to be loud and obnoxious and, you know, look at us, look at us. You know, we just want to put the work in and do it for the right reasons. And I think our results are, are starting to show and, and have been for a little bit. And it's been a fun ride, man. You know, we're continuing to take steps forward. Um, but like I said, we're doing it the right way with the right people. And that's probably what I'm most proud of. What's that mean? Because everyone can say they're doing it the right way. But what the heck does that mean? Right, because, and and it might be different for for different places and different people. But for Cal Poly, for your coaching staff, for your athletes, what is the right way? So what that means for us is we have a set of core values, and we do not take risk. We do not waver, and that comes from the way we lead uh, with my coaching staff to the people we associate with, being our alumni and supporters. Um, and down to recruiting, right? I mean, we don't take risk. You know, it does not matter how competent you are in wrestling. If you're not checking these specific boxes, then it's not a fit. And we have to be okay with saying no. And we have, and it's paid off. And it's paid off. Um, and then we hold our guys accountable. We have a lot of fun. We wrestle hard. But, you know, at the end of the day, we got to understand that the purpose, the end of the day, it's not about winning wrestling matches, right? Like our purpose is to create remarkable men for life after wrestling. When you leave our Cal Poly wrestling program after four or five, you know, maybe six years, you should be better because of it and be able to look back on your past experiences and have learned and grown so much as a man. Therefore, you can translate that into your employment, into your family life, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what it's always been about for us. Of course, we love to win. Of course, we love to compete at a high level, um, but we've never gauged our guys or our program success based on that solely. You know, we we just always come back to the criteria of our core values, which is attitude, effort, growth, and respect. And as long as our guys are putting forth their best effort and they have a great attitude and they're positive and we're learning and growing no matter what and respectful while we do this, then you know, we're always on the same page. And I, and I think that's what it comes down to just core value based leadership and just sticking with it long-term, you know, we stumbled early on there, man, pretty bad. And uh, we just kept, we kept plowing forward. And I think you're starting to see the fruits of our labor and not just from the last year or two. I mean, this is almost seven years now. This is sheer body of work. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's easy to say overnight success when you look at it from a very, you know, finite bookended 
kind of season because it's it's pretty impressive that way but what people don't see is the um you know like like when you when you buy a fixer upper house nobody gets nobody really you know it, there's no parade for the for the ripping out of the carpet and there's no parade for pulling the drywall down to the studs but that's kind of what you have to do am i right i think so i think we're we're also learning and growing as leaders and first thing you have to do is look yourself in the mirror right you know it's mm -hmm. easy to start telling people what to do it's very hard to to lead by example and do it yourself so that's where it starts you know at least for me i've you know i've spent a lot of time just trying to become better at what we do and surround myself with people that have done what we're trying to do not just necessarily in the wrestling world but also in the business world um in the nonprofit world with you know administrators etc um and all those things have, have been a huge help but you're right it, it was challenging for sure you know those first couple of years it was you know it's it's easy to lose sight when you know wrestling's different man like when you when you're losing like you're getting beat up i mean they're shoving our heads down they're shoving us out of bounds i mean that stuff hurts right and you know and it's um you know and it's hard it's very very challenging but i think when we look back what we're most proud of is just that we we never lost sight right like we knew where we were going we didn't know how long it was going to take you know it, it did happen relatively fast i think i'm in year seven now and taking a step back and saying you know what five years taking a program that was dead last into the top 25 is pretty impressive and then in year six we break into the top 10 and now in year seven we're you know pac 12 dual meet champions like it's pretty remarkable when you step back you take the thirty thousand foot view to see where you know how quickly we progress but man when you're living it those first couple of years and you're not winning a dual meet for you know over two years like it it's a struggle it's a struggle but i think the important thing to note is that we learned from it we grew from it and no matter what win or lose even to the day like no matter what we're going to get better um and that's been our mindset it's it's really been a lot of fun man dude it looks like you guys are having a good time for sure and, and it's easy to to see that and just uh, like I said, assume that it's always been like that, but I'm sure it has not. Um, all right, what advice would you have for a young coach taking over a program in a mid-major like like you did? What would be the first thing you tell them to do? Like, what would be like? Okay, before you get on the recruiting trail, before you make a phone call, you have to do this. Find someone that has had a great deal of success, and it doesn't have to be in your industry, but find someone that has done what you're trying to do and come up with a strategic plan. So we spent our first six months, give or take, working on our five-year strategic plan when I first arrived at Cal Poly. And it was hard, man. I've never been associated with anything of that order. So I was really good at getting all of my crazy ideas down on paper. And I worked with a gentleman, Dr. Leo Selker, um, who is remarkable and big wrestling guy, you know, retired, lived down the street here from us. And I was able to connect with him and he helped me organize my thoughts and put together a legitimate strategic plan. And I think with that, it's a living document. It always changes through the years. But with that, we have something that we can go back to and say, hey, you know what? This is what we said we're going to do. We got to make sure that we're doing it um, and, and just following through. So that's probably what made the biggest impact on me personally and our program at large is the fact that we actually had a plan. It wasn't trying to figure it out. It wasn't, you know, we were learning a ton and we were growing, but we had direction. You know, we kept coming back to our three pillars from an organization, and that's making sure that, you know, we have 
strategic recruiting. We're making sure that we're recruiting the right guys. We're not going to waver. Here's what we said we're going to do, and we're going to do it. Student athlete development with the core values that I mentioned earlier, like this is the way we're going to lead. We're going to lead by example, and we're going to hold these guys accountable based on our on our core values. And then, of course, the you know the philanthropy, right? Making sure that we have a long-term vision. We got short-term needs, but we have a long-term vision with our fundraising and where can these monies go to make the biggest impact on our program. So um, we, we essentially divided our time into those three pillars and making sure that we're just progressing and we're moving forward. And, you know, and as you start to hit some benchmarks and some milestones, you celebrate, right? We like to have a good time. We, we do something really cool, whether, you know, it's landing a top recruit or winning a big match or getting a significant gift. And, and we celebrate, you know, we try to enjoy the wins and, um, you know, then we shake it off and we get back to work and we keep moving forward. So, yeah. So just to circle back, I think having a plan, having a legitimate strategic plan was probably the smartest thing that that we did from day one and just providing direction for our program. Um, <clears throat> I talked to um, Scott Goodell at Rutgers. Um, not too long ago, and 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 he and I were kind of reminiscing, right? And we were talking about his first year or two at Rutgers, and he landed a kid that was one of my athletes. I was coaching at a club level. Um, this kid named Scott Winston, who was like a Jersey phenom, right? Undefeated in high school one of the top recruits in country. I don't know that Rutgers wrestling would be this, what it is today in the big 10, if they don't land that recruit right as soon as Scott gets to Rutgers. I think you guys are on the precipice of like perennially being a national force. Do you think that you're one? Do you ever get the, the the notion that like, man, we are one blue chip away from being top five, getting a trophy, top four? Does that does that thought ever cross your mind, or are you just kind of always head down? I think that's a great question, right? Because we naturally, as humans, we always want more. Yeah. Um, you know, and and we're we're more focused on our progress and and moving forward and doing it the right way and. Um, and a lot of our success has been because of that. But um, to, but back to your point, though, as far as, you know, landing top recruits early on, I mean, there's some luck involved, no doubt about it. Right. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. You can bet these kids as much as you want. But until you get them on campus and spend a year with them, you know, it's 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 very challenging. I mean, the recruiting trails is probably the most challenging part of our, our jobs. But, you know, we we did have some luck. You know, we had some guys that were on the roster that were hard workers and had a great deal of success. You know, Tom Lane comes to mind. He was able to end up being a COVID All-American, had some nice wins and just bought into what we were doing from day one and, you know, really just kind of put this program on the map. I mean, if I remember correctly, you know, when he had his breakout tournament at the championships, I'm pretty sure we qualified one guy and it was him, you know, and I was wrestling in the quarterfinals at the NCAAs and people were like, Cal Poly, who are these guys, you know? And, um, you know, and then it, it kind of segued and then, you know, we landed a couple of big recruits. And then of course, you know, Bernie Truax was, you know, the kid that came in and just kept progressing and continues to progress and is just built different and, you know, has some really early career success. And so we were able to parlay that, but um, our program would never, be about one or two individuals, right? I mean, it's a it's a collective whole. And that's what I think was so cool about, you know, these past couple of weeks and we're having some success from a dual meet standpoint. 
um, is because we have 10 guys that go out there and wrestle hard for seven minutes and win or lose. I mean, it is fun, right? Like it's a collective effort and not just the 10 guys on the mat. You're talking about, you know, the 13, 14 in your travel party. And then the guys back in the room that are pushing up that are next. Are you going to talk about the student section and how they bark at <laughs> They are, they are, first of all, my son, and I hate, I'm sorry to cut you off. No problem. I got it. I got to talk about it. My son loves sitting in the student section for no other reason than just the fact that they get on the officials, they get on the, the opposing team. My son has like a list of, of things that have been said in the Cavalli student section, uh, the top of which was um, get him a pillow down there. It looks like he's sleeping. Uh, like there's just like a li a laundry list of of incredible sayings that he's heard in there. So it's not just the guys on the bench, by the way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. So I, I think you can't hide passion, right? And you know when you're working collectively towards a common goal, I think you can't help but get physically and emotionally involved. You know, I was so sore on Monday, and I was like, why? Why am I sore? And I I started stepping through the photos from the dual meets on Friday and Sunday. I'm like, well, of course I'm sore. I mean, you can see me just like you know, tight. And it's just, you know, you're, you get so into these matches and I try to work really hard of, you know, maintaining my cool, but it's just, it's, it's challenging when you spend so much time with these guys and you want nothing more for them just to wrestle their potential. And then when they start to do so, you know, it's remarkable. I want to, I want to celebrate with those guys for sure. Uh, but, but just to circle back, I think not one person will ever define our program, right? So we actually broke into the top 25 before Evan Wick transferred in. Evan Wick came in. I was, you know, we, we saw some time in the top 10, had a remarkable final season with us, you know, and, and he graduates, he joins our coaching staff. And then this year, Dom Demas, you know, who's a two-time All-American joins us. So, you know, it's, it seems to be this perpetual um, place where we're getting not just one or it's not a Evan Wick show and then it dies back out. I mean, this is year after year. We're putting these building blocks in place. We're keeping the guys around, you know, Evan's beating the best guys in the world right now in the senior circuit. And, you know, having coach John Azevedo with our RTC and coach Lee Kemp, it's just each year we're just progressing forward. And I think that's probably the most important thing to note is that we're, you know, we're continuing to build. This is not, Hey, we got one or two superstars. We got a few points at NCAAs. Look at us. Like, no, we're, we're a problem. You know, we got, we can put out 10 guys that wrestle hard. We can, we feel like we can wrestle with almost anyone in the country, you know, and we have some superstars. And like I keep mentioning, I mean, we do it the right way with the right people. I mean, our incoming GPA average is a 4.2. So our guys are brilliant. It like it's good. Joel, Joel, is that good? That's good. Four two. Okay. I don't know. I just. I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to see our guys graduate with a meaningful degree to go out and get amazing jobs and careers and be entrepreneurs, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So, um, so that part is neat. You know, this is the fourth institution I've coached at and it is by far the only one that has been this rigorous from an academic standpoint. Matter of fact, after this interview, I do have to go meet with the head of admissions for one of our, you know, trying to get a special admit into school and go to bat form and, you know, prove that he can come in and handle the workload on top of, you know, the athletic, uh, portion as well too so that's it's an interesting spin so we're, we're having success but we're also doing it with guys that are staying out of trouble and we're doing it with you know kids that go to class and you know graduate with with meaningful degrees so that that part to me is pretty remarkable i agree um hey, john I, I have a ton more but joel you got something 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I know that you mentioned, you know, early on, it was kind of slow starting and, and kind of your your backbone behind how you were operating was your strategic plan. How did you go about getting both athletes and administrators, you know, uh, to buy into your plan, even when it was taking some time to work through some of the growing pains? That's a really good question. I, th I think from a recruiting standpoint, you need to you know, when you cast vision, you tend to attract believers and guys like Bernie Truax and Legend Lamer and Antonio Lorenzo. These were all high end recruits that that we were on that were also looking at bigger programs. And, you know, we just wanted to find guys that wanted to be part of building something um, and be able to look back and say, hey, when I got there, they weren't very good. And when I left, man, it was an amazing run. It was an amazing ride. Just, you know, the trajectory of our program, not just competitively, but every single measurable. I mean, when these guys you know, first got here. I mean, just the small things, right? Like gear and apparel, like they had one singlet and a, you know, in a, in a raggedy t-shirt. Now these guys are spoiled rotten with their gear. Like we're building out a brand new locker room. We just redid our dungeon, which is our lounge. And they go down there to drill, you know, we've, you know, it's where the guys are being taken care of each year, better and better. And those are all the things that I think are really, really attractive to the believers. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still quite a few guys that have their mindset on power five or, you know, programs that are already nationally ranked or, or et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think we're able to successfully pinpoint those guys and cherry pick them. And then from an administrative and, and even donor standpoint, not much different. I think showing that we had a plan already separates us from most. And then just constant communication saying, hey, you know, like success, competitive success is always, you know, the delayed gratification. That's always the thing that happens last. Like, let's not even think about judging us on wins or losses until we have one full cycle, one full recruiting cycle. So five years down the road, I think we can start to look back and say, hey, you know, here's some things we need to do better. Here's some things we're doing a great job of. And, um, and our administration has been nothing short of great to us. I mean, they've been very patient. Um, they've helped us along, like they've doubled down on wrestling from a resource standpoint. Um, they're out hustling on our behalf. And perfect example is not just this last match, but almost every home match, Plus the NCAA championships, the president of our institution are at these matches and he's at the championships. The vice president is there. We had the dean of the business school, um, just a number of, of support staff and admin. So uh, they like their wrestling here in San Luis Obispo. That's pretty awesome. Ethan Rotundo. Let's talk a little bit about Ethan Rotundo. You know, you, you mentioned the Demises and the and the uh, Evan Wicks of the world. Well, this is another pickup from, you know, Wisconsin that, let's be honest, first part of the season, a little bit rocky. A little bit rocky, right? But what happened? I don't. Something happened in this kid that I don't know how to explain it, but it just looks like, oh, no he realized he can win he realized he can he can muscle through some of these matches and win something happened somewhere in the middle of the season where he just decided he was going to win wrestling matches what happened i think that was it he made the decision matter of fact him and our 184 pounder had lost a string of matches and they went to each other and i found about this after the fact by the way they had a little conversation with each other and they said enough's enough enough's enough. Like we need to go out there. We need to do better. And, um, and, and they both turned the corner, but you know, in Ethan's example, he was at another program for five years in and out of the lineup, had some freestyle success, but we recruited him based on his work ethic and, you know, just remarkable young man. And 
I mean, unbelievable worker. I mean, he's that one guy that we call him the junkyard dog, by the way. He's the one guy in the room that just does not get tired. Like he just goes and goes and have to practice and, you know, just his warm up. If you ever get a chance over these next couple of tournaments, like see what his warm up looks like after he weighs in. Like it is next level how hard he goes. Like myself or Coach Chewy have to put him through like crazy hard warm ups to, to get his motor going. But he's he's starting to reap the, the fruits of his labor, man. And it's it's nice to see, you know, and guys like him, I truly believe it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And and I'm very, very pleased and you know him turning the corner um, because it's just showing the world and everyone else what he's been up to in our wrestling room since he arrived last summer. And the kid has earned everything that he's getting and he is just a rock star in every single measurable. Um, I know he's got a job lined up for, for after he graduates, but I'm going to try like heck to, to keep him on board at least for a year if we can, just because, you know, he's an unbelievable leader, unbelievable teammate. I mean, just yesterday, you know, he's getting ready for the Pac-12 championships and, you know, he's done and he's walking over and he grabs some freshmen and he's helping them and he's showing techniques and he's talking them through strategies and, um, you know, he's a great roommate and does well academically. So he's that guy, man. He's that guy. So I could not be more happy for him to, you know, starting to, you know, have a high level of success here on the wrestling mat because it just proves that what he's doing and what we're doing is working. Do you think that having a kid like that, who, who, like you said, you know, it's a six year college wrestling. He's, he's a dude. He's not a, he's not a kid anymore. Right. He's grown dude. Um, do you deal with a kid? Uh, I say a kid, you know, I just call him a grown man. He is. Do you, do you deal with an athlete? like that who struggled a little bit earlier on differently than you would a freshman that struggles a little earlier on or is it pretty much you got to let them course correct themselves i think our jobs as leaders is to love them no matter what and you know he and a few others struggled this year you know i mean we we struggled a little bit early november december and um and i, I think they realized very quickly that we're not result driven. Like it does not matter if you win or lose. What matters is you go out there and wrestle as hard as you possibly can for seven minutes and enough of that. And then when they do have failure and they see it as an opportunity to learn, then I think it starts taking some of that anxiety and that stress off and they're able to free up. They're able to go out there and just, and let it loose and not be so concerned with results and, you know, just, self-produced anxiety where they're just fatigued and they're scared to take risk. I think what you're seeing now are, you know, Ethan and a group of guys that are going out there and letting it fly. And if we lose, you know what? Hats off to that guy. Hats off to that team. Good on them. You know what? They're great wrestlers, but it's wrestling, man. Come on. Like it's wrestling, right? It's a wrestling match. Like in 10 years, are we going to talk about this? Probably not. Right. I mean, it's, it's wrestling. So the important thing to remember is it's what you learn through wrestling that's where the true value is, right? That's where that's where we try to dial it in. And I think we're getting better and better as coaches and leaders of talking about the right things. And, you know, our messaging is simple. It's like, no matter what, no matter what, we're going to love you. No matter what, we're going to love each other. We're going to have fun. We're going to play dodgeball. No matter what, we're going to learn and we're going to grow. No matter what, we're going to get better. Like win or lose, we're going to get better. We're going to watch the film. We're going to tighten up technique and, you know, we're going to progress. And no matter what, as long as you wrestle seven minutes as hard as you can, nothing changes. And, um, and, and it's working. It's absolutely working. And that's probably what I'm most proud of is putting out 10 guys that are going to go out there and give it their best. And they walk off the mat. And if you notice, they're not so beat up about losing. Like when they walk off the mat, they might be a little frustrated, you know, hey, I made a mistake or, you know, we give them a hug, we shake their hand and, and we move on, 
you know, and I think there's a lot of value there. And I think we lose sight on that, not just in wrestling, but in sports in general. You know, I have an 11 year old and I'm very particular when he talks about, you know, being result driven. I'm like, you know, how about we're focusing on our attitude and our effort and growing. Right. And let's be respectful. And as long as you do those things, we're going to have fun. Um, and it and it translates, you know, into high school and then also, you know, into college. And then most importantly, after you graduate. Right. So I think those are the the key messages that we're trying to get across. And, and it's it's definitely working for us. Uh, OK. I'd like to play devil's advocate there for a second. What happens? You got this one recruit, California kid checks every box this is a hypothetical okay checks every box that you're you're looking for in a mustang wrestler but when you sit down with mom and dad and you start telling them that we're focusing on progress i want to give effort we're not results driven it doesn't jive with them it's you're talking to the crazy wrestling dad you know what i'm talking about Okay, how do you still massage that relationship, so to speak, but at the same time, let them know that I genuinely don't care how many wins your kids get. I genuinely don't. This is about progress. This is about ultimately creating good people. Because some crazy-ass dads don't like to hear that, Coach. You know that as well as I do, okay? And as, as, much, as much as specialization in sports has raised the skill level, okay, it has also raised the expectations. And the, a lot of those expectations are in the form of wins and losses. Some of these dads are going to tell you that they've spent six figures over the last X amount of years taking their kids to this coach and that coach and what, and they have, they want to return on investment. For sure. So I, I would say that we have both. So just to, to spin it quickly, I want to preface it by saying we'll recruit some kids we're not sure of, and then we'll sit down and we'll talk to the kid and we'll talk to the parents and they understand growth. They understand development. They understand leadership. They understand the bigger picture. And we'll double down on these guys. We will double down. We will find a way to get them on campus and to get them in a Cal Poly Singlet. And on the flip side, and, and you guys know as well as I do, a lot of these stars have some parents that are extremely involved. And so well, you're, sure you're a good politician. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so there's a there's a couple of, <laughs> proceed, coach. There's a there's a couple of strategies that I've kind of cherry picked through the years. One of them being find some time with the kid away from the parents, right? And you know these recruiting visits, the parents are sitting in every meeting. They're you know so we try to split them up and we try to sit down and spend some time with the recruit, with the student athlete, and ask some you know some some big questions and see if it's a fit. Number one, number two, I think it comes down to also, do we get along, right? Likeability, like, is there, you know, do you see a path forward to develop trust? Because another thing I cherry picked many years ago, I went up to a, a superstar coach and asked him, hey, what do you look for in a recruit? And he's like, looks at me like I'm crazy. I was just a kid at the time. He's like, you got to like him. 
you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. I've been coaching for a couple of years and we're recruiting these kids we don't really like, but they're really good at wrestling. And then what happens is you don't end up spending time with them. So, you know, I, I try to find, we try to find kids that we like and, um, and then we, we grow and we end up loving them. And what do you do when you love someone or something? You spend time with them. Right. And, and I think that's key to development. Um, and I think people change. I think we have a couple of kids on our team throughout the years where maybe, you know, parents were not exactly on the same page for whatever reason or did things a little bit differently. But now it's sometimes it's a fresh start. The student athlete gets to come into a program that has a rock solid foundation and more importantly, teammates that are moving in the right direction because you are who you surround yourself with and they can course correct very quickly. And a lot of times a program like ours is the best thing that ever happened to some of these student athletes. Um, and then we also have the group that comes in that, you know, they're leaders right out of the gate, you know, remarkable parents, remarkable high school coaches, and they know the best way of doing things. And the cool thing is everything we're doing ultimately leads to success, right? It leads to you know, competitive success, it leads to graduating at a high level. I mean, all these things are transferable. Um, so we're not asking people to to change for, you know, just to win some matches. We're asking people to change for the better, right? When you look at this thing holistically. So um, so I guess the short answer is we, you know, if, if you're sitting in our office, we've done our due diligence, we, we vetted you, you know, we, we typically got quite a bit of information and we'll sit down and we'll talk through some things. And um, I think obvious red flags that we will not waver on is if we sense someone will likely violate one of our core values, right? Like effort's a big one. You know, if someone's, you know, on campus and we kind of sense that, you know, they're a little checked out, right? You have to ask the question, is this the beginning or is this the end? So the dad that spent six figures, we got our scholarship. This is it. We made it, right? No, we want guys that are coming in like, let's get to work. Right. Regardless if you're on zero or a full ride or anything in between, like this is the beginning. This is absolutely the beginning. Um, and so those are the types of questions we try to delve into. And um, and we won't waver if, if a kid comes to campus and is asking to go to parties like I'm out, like I'm out. There's no pressure on us to win now, nor will there ever be, because we're going to take our time. We're going to do it the right way with the right people. So I know I keep coming back to that, but um, we've had top 100 recruits sitting right here in my office. And that wanted to come and we stopped recruiting them because we just sensed that, you know, they were not on the same page from a core value standpoint, you know, whether they just had zero interest in academics, wanted to go out and party. You could asking too many questions about the beach and the girls. And, you know, it's like, you know, like we we're here for two reasons. Right. And that's to get a meaningful degree and to compete at our highest level. And we'll have fun. It's just us having fun looks different. You know, like we'll go to the beach and play ultimate Frisbee, you know, like our guys can't afford to go out on the weekends because then you start getting caught behind with school. Um, you know, it starts to pile up. So the lifestyle is a little bit different. So those are the things that we're really, really look at to um, to determine if someone's going to be a great fit. And we miss, man. I'll be the first one to tell you. We absolutely miss. It's a numbers well, game. Can't, you can't not. It's right. 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 We miss. And, and so here's the coolest thing about missing. So we bring in roughly eight kids per year. We get eight slots to, to get them into school. We normally got to use all eight, <laughs> but you know, if there's one or two that, that have wavered or, or, you know, or kind of bent in a certain direction or just make some poor decisions, you know, we don't just trim the fat and move on. You know, we, we give these guys more than a fair shake to, to change. We provide them time, we provide them opportunity, we provide them guidance. You know, we'll bring them in and we'll sit down and say, hey, listen, what's going on? You know, like you're struggling in school, you're getting your butt kicked in the wrestling room. Like, you know, and, and typically, you know, there's something else that's a little bit deeper. We try to 
to delve in and find what the real problem is. And I think that allows us to build a stronger relationship, develop trust. And, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, you know, there's just not enough value to them of being here and that's fine. But I tell you what, most of the time they get their footing and they find their way. I was one of those guys. I mean, you're not 18 years old. I mean, in college with a ton of freedom, right? No, like going to class a couple hours a day. I mean, you got practice, but there's no, I mean, you know, there's just a lot of mistakes to be made. The question is, do we learn from them? Do we grow from them? You know, are we going to course correct and make sure we're moving in the right direction? So we make sure that we have our guys back, even when it disappoints us. Um, as long as they, they know what they did was wrong and they learn from it, then we'll move forward. Now, if it's a character flaw, then we'll probably, you know, write up the separation agreement and go our separate ways. But for the most part, we've been able to, to keep a pretty tightly knit culture here. Go ahead, building John. off of building off of culture there. Um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to uh, be able to come and check out a couple of your practices and, and hopefully I'm not giving away any of the, the secret sauce here, but um, you know, I know that you've mentioned that you're really excited that you've gotten to a point where you can give these kids a lot of freedom, right. And you can, have sometimes an, an unstructured practice where you just show up and, and get to work, right? Um, I think you mentioned that kind of the strength and conditioning is a, a similar similar direction. How do you get to a point where uh, where you're able to trust your guys to, to be able to do that? Is that kind of a step-by-step -step thing or is that something where you kind of test them and, and maybe it's a push and pull? What, is, what does that process look like of being able to go from very structured to kind of unstructured? It's definitely a process for sure. It was always my dream to be able to come into a wrestling room, look at our guys, high five a couple and just say, hey, let's get moving. And they have a hard warm up. They have a hard drill, you know, get a sip of water, get after it a little bit. We have plenty of days like that. And if you look at the, the highest level of wrestling, they have plenty of days like that, too. Right. The postgrads, they know what they need for the most part. But also there's value in coaching. So what I've learned over the past two or three years we almost provided too much autonomy to where you too know much we, autonomy yes autonomy yeah too much free, too much freedom. yeah too much freedom where where the guys they come in and you know they they, they got it in they went hard um, but we were so hands-off for a little while there i think we got a little stagnant these kids want to be coached right and i think everyone needs a coach i mean i have a coach everyone needs a coach and and we had to coach a little bit harder and that doesn't necessarily mean blowing the whistle and yelling at them, but what that means is a little bit more structure. So, you know, typically on Wednesdays, if we're not competing, we'll provide a ton of freedom. I mean, a lot of times on Wednesdays, we'll, Wednesdays, we'll give them a flex day and they'll just go to the beach and, and hang out, you know, and just recoup and disconnect and recalibrate. But they also know, you know, Monday and Tuesday, we're going to get after it, you know, and Thursday we're going to, you know, push a little bit and then start to taper. So I think we became more structured. Um, learning that there is such thing as too much freedom because our guys, they're so self-motivated for the most part, where a lot of times we're trying to like pull them back and, you know, just kind of fine tune them. But there's also an extreme amount of value of being in there together, whether that's the weight room or the wrestling room, training together, pushing each other, looking around, suffering together and learning and growing together. Um, and that's what we try to create. We try to get the best of both worlds. I, I still think just knowing what I know about other coaches that I've been associated with and in, in teams and programs, we probably provide a little bit more flexibility than most. Um, but our guys have earned it. They 100% earned it. Um, but we also coach our guys too. Like we, we are very involved technically from a conditioning standpoint, you know, talking a lot about strategy, uh, match prep. Uh, there's just a number of things. I mean, I, I, 
proud of the fact that I spent a great deal of my time with our kids. You know, we got to a point where the structure is continuing to improve. But at the end of the day, we need to be pouring into our guys, right? It's like, hey, make a fundraising call or go do an individual drill. I'll never have that conversation with myself. The fundraising call can hold, right? We pour into our student athletes. But great question. I, you know, there's no perfect practice. I'll, I'll end with this. There's no, there's no perfect formula. At the end of the day, just like I have to look myself in the mirror, these kids got to wake up. They got to look themselves in the mirror and know that they're getting out of it as, as much as they possibly can. And they can't point outwards. They can't say, hey, oh, you know, we didn't work on this. or Oh, practice was too hard. Or, oh, you know, you didn't push us hard enough. Right. Like you got to make the best of your situation. And, you know, we as a staff, I think based on our experiences, we can come up with some pretty good practice plans. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to put the work in. I think our guys understand that. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned before, and this, this kind of stuck with me, is this the beginning or is this the end? And that's the question that you, you have to ask these recruits. Now you don't get every single one of the top 100 on your campus, but I want you to think of the list of the top 100 high school wrestlers in the country. If you had to guess, what percentage of them is it the end? That is a great question. So I think I can speak based on the percentages that we end up with here um, and, other, and other programs that I've coached. I think we probably do a better job than many on trying to make that read. But like I mentioned earlier, we miss. And um, yeah, there's, there's probably, you know, anywhere from you know 15 to 25 percent that find themselves in a rut or stuck and going through the motions and they would never quit wrestling either a because they have a scholarship or b because that's all they ever known or c because their parents and high school coach would be disappointed likely a combination of all three right uh, but here's the coolest thing so we we had this one specific student athlete checked out about two years phenomenal athlete fantastic wrestler great human being wonderful in academics, like like every measure of what, we just couldn't quite get through to him. You know, he just would show up to practice and he'd kind of just go through the motions and, you know, and then, you know, he'd wrestle some matches and it is what it is. And, you know, and something magical happened about two years in. I don't know what it was. I'm still trying to figure it out, but he turned the corner. And I'd like to think that he got to a point where he needs to make a decision. If I'm going to do it, let's do it. Let's do it to the best of my ability at the highest level. So he turns the corner. We go to this major tournament, just starts popping off nationally ranked win after nationally ranked. And I'm like, at this point, my job is just to get out of his way, right? Like <laughs> me and Coach Chewy are looking at each other. We're like, what is going on? Like, this is magical let's just not say anything and it was like a nice handshake before the match and a handshake and a hug after the match and you know and 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 he turned the corner then all of a sudden you know he starts showing up for a little bit more and asking for an individual drill watching some you know technique videos together and then now you know we built this this trust and this bond to where we're just kind of learning from each other and we're just getting better and better and better and we're analyzing and um and it's it's awesome so those those are the stories that come to mind that I'm probably most grateful for because you know, here's someone that might didn't necessarily love wrestling for whatever reason, bad high school experience, you know, maybe been wrestling too long, but had a great deal of success. So um, if I'm at fault for anything, it's it's for not giving up on these guys ever. You know, that's probably my biggest flaw is I would not give up on them. I mean, we've had conversations of pulling guys out of the lineup. We had conversations of cutting scholarships. We have conversations of, you know, trying to, you know, change this, that or the other. And at the end of the day, like I like. I'm not giving up on them. And I think 
situations like these make it so worth it because now not only are we getting a lot of productivity out of the weight class but more importantly we got a guy that you know that learned and grew and got better and, and just started to lean into something that you know maybe wasn't necessarily you know wanting to do so you know early on and so when guys change like that i think that's why we coach right like you got to ask yourself why do you why do we do what we do right and and that's what comes to mind like seeing someone like that like literally just change the trajectory of his wrestling co career um and probably of his life you know honestly because now he's going to look back at his wrestling experience and have a sense of pride and be grateful um you know and and hopefully give back in some capacity i know that's what happened to me so um so it's yeah it's pretty pretty interesting concept there but um but that that's what it's all about man Talk to me, Joel. What else, brother? Yeah, I'm curious. So uh, obviously you guys are now top 25 kind of the past couple of years. And what's the way sports are heading in general of, of kind of uh, becoming more of a business, right? Um, where, you know, there's donors that you have to manage. There's, you know, the talent that you have to manage. Um, and one of the things that we've been talking about is, you know, building culture and really caring and investing in these kids. And how do you how do you balance the the business side of it of needing to you know be successful on a recurring basis? Obviously, you started to do, to do that here over the last few years, and I'm sure that the pressure on you and and on your coaching staff just continues to build. Right, of you've had some success now, you want more success, and um, as that translates down to the kids, how does how does that balance between still caring about these these kids as individuals and, and their personal growth and development? But also realizing that, like, hey, like, you got to fit in, and and sometimes you do got to perform here, um, and, and kind of hold up your end of the bargain. College athletics is one hundred percent a business, one hundred percent. And I think if you look at the best coaches across the board, they run their programs like a business. And you have recruiting, you have retention, right? You have fundraising. You got to you know deal with administrators and alumni. Essentially, your board. Um, you got to make hires. I mean, it is one hundred percent a business, and um and trying to strengthen that structure is our top priority for sure and that includes everyone involved you're talking about support staff who you know most most cases you don't have a hand in in who your you know support staff's going to be in all these different areas right um same thing with administration same thing with a lot of these alumni donors so so what you try to do is just be the the glue to get everyone together and i think our job is to get people excited right get people excited and when you have a sense of excitement and you're moving in the right direction i think that takes care of a lot of the smaller issues and and we can dig in as needed um but i i spent a lot of time thinking about the structure of our program we look different you know we look different from other schools in the top 25 we obviously look vastly different from power five schools right and not just from a budget standpoint but you know from a support staff from capital projects from you know almost every single measure so what's our competitive advantage right and it goes back to the strategic plan how are we going to compete with the best guys they can outspend us you know their weight rooms 10 times bigger than ours you know they you know they just have a number of advantages on paper so we need to figure out what we can do in order to to help close that gap and and i think it comes down to people you know that's what i've learned i think you you know you find people that can move the needle and that starts with your coaches right that's who you spend the most time with and then it, it trickles down to your recruits and to your student athletes um and then also you know others too and we we work with dr coy cooper he's our performance coach and 
you know, he was working mostly pro bono with our guys off and on last year. We brought him on full time this year. And, you know, that's our biggest competitive advantage right now is he spends time with our guys one on one. He's I've been working with him for almost a decade um, and he, he really dials it in, you know, and like how we're thinking about things, our approach, our mindset. And just making sure that, you know, we're crystal clear and just trying to, you know, alleviate some of the stresses and anxiety. And I think that's our, our biggest competitive advantage right now. Um, probably not the sexiest thing. I know recruits aren't thinking about, you know, performance coaches and, and mindset and meditation and daily habits, but we bring it up. You know, I'm seeing what the interest level is. Um, the cool thing is our best guys do it. I do it. My staff does it. You know, we we are, are dialed in. Um, and I think if you look at the best program in our country, I think they do it. Right. So. Um, so there, there's something there um, for sure. And that's that's where we spend our time. We spend our time in the area that makes the biggest impact. Um, so, you know, just a small example is before practice, um, you know, our guys were up and walking and it's just, you know, some deep breaths. We're clearing out some of the clutter, you know, doing a little bit of gratitude and a little bit of focus work before we get going. You know, it's just a small period of time. We do it before our matches. We're starting to do it after practice, but it's something that differentiates us from most. Um, and it allows our guys just to really focus in on, on what their, their goal is for the day. Um, and, and from a business standpoint, that's our competitive advantage. Right. So um, so that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Of course, we're always trying to get more. Right. And we are. I mean, we, we're breaking a lot of records with, you know, with recruiting classes and fundraising and competitive success. And, you know, we got, you know, front office leadership at our events and number of alumni coming back is, is 10x. And, you know, there's a lot of great things happening, um, which is really cool. But we cannot compete with the best programs when they just have more stuff, right? So we need to find the avenues of, you know, what's going to be our distinct advantage? How are we going to differentiate from these guys? What's going to be our biggest competitive advantage? And that's where we spend our time. That's where I spend my time. Mm -hmm. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. Um, I, we we got to get moving here soon, but I, I got one. This we're, we're, we're in the postseason, brother. We're in it. I'm I'm ready for postseason wrestling. I'm ready. Um, what does that what is what does it look like? You've been you've been part of teams that have not had success at the NCAA tournament. You've been part of teams that have had success at the NCAA tournament. What is the biggest difference in the wrestling room, the day to day? leading up to the postseason on the teams that you've had success with and teams that you haven't had success with? So I think we have to continue to keep the same, if not similar messaging that no matter what happens, I mean, even, you know, Pac-12s, there's going to be a lot of stress because you get a certain number of allotments and guys are thinking about who's bringing spots, who's not bringing a spot. Can I steal a spot? Um, how'd I do against this guy a couple of weeks ago? We try to eliminate that noise right? Like no matter what, we're going to go out there. And if you go to NCAAs, awesome. Like, great. If you don't, no problem. Like we're still going to get better, right? We'll get back to work. Same thing at the championships. You get the NCAAs, let's just go out there and free up and wrestle to our potential to the best of our ability. And, you know, if we happen to go deep in the tournament, like awesome, man, it's good for our fans. It's good for, you know, it feels good, you know, but at the end of the day, I think you can walk off the mat feeling pretty darn good, win or lose, knowing you gave it your best effort. And that's all it comes down to. So the teams that I've had the most success with, we go out there, we just let it fly. And because of that, I think there are a lot of folks out there, I would argue most, 
right? Come postseason, it's just a little bit more stress, a little bit more nerves, a little bit more anxiety where we try to reframe that, right? Like, yeah, you're nervous. That means you care. You care about this incredible opportunity. It's like, how cool is this? How many people get to wrestle at the NCAA championships, right? How many people get to wrestle at the Pac-12 championships? Like, the, like, what a great opportunity, you know? And like, it would be an injustice if you didn't go out there and do your best because you're worried about an outcome or winning or losing. Like, who cares? Like, I can honestly, for the first time in a long time, say it is awesome when you win. It feels cool. We'll hug you. But it's not the end all be all. Like, we win a lot of matches because we go out there, we let it fly, and whatever happens, happens, man. Like, it's we're competitors. I think we all want to win. I think we all want to be all Americans and national champs, and it's great. But, you know, we don't leave with that. You know, that on the back end, we'll celebrate it. Say, hey, you know what? Kind of cool. You know, like, kind of cool. Like, it's really cool. But it does not define who you are as a person, and it will not define who we are as a program. What defines us just circles back to our core values, right? Just, you know, being, you know, positive and passionate and with our attitude and giving forth our best effort, you know, having a growth mindset, measured improvement and being respectful, you know, like we're going to respect each other. We're going to respect our competitors. We're going to respect our sport. Um, we're going to respect our institution. So, and I, and I think we do a great job of all those measurables and, um, and it's just been a lot of fun, man. That, that's what made, I'm having more fun now than I've ever had coaching because I, I feel like we're just, we're growing together and that's me included. Joel, I think we, uh, I think we got it. That's a great one to end on. That was good. Coach, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for allowing me to be part of the, uh, the broadcast team at Cal Poly. Um, thank you for, uh, for, for what you're doing for the sport too. It's really important. My pleasure. Appreciate you guys. Thanks so much.